Hey, good morning uh, to all you guys at Awaken. And uh, it's good to be able to share with you in this way. Better to be there. And I'm, I'm working at this preparing and recording messages. It doesn't feel comfortable to me, but we're going to get there. But God's word is more than the style, more than the pattern. And, and I just believe there's a word from God for me to share with you today. And I'm praying your heart will be open to perceive what God is saying and you will be courageous in doing what he needs you to do with it. There's going to be people for you to talk to after this message. There's going to be changes for you to make in your own life and to work through as the Holy Spirit plants a seed. But you're going to have to work it through and apply it. There's going to be some shifts in thinking at the end of this as we go through this message. You're going to be challenged this morning and it's going to be good. And we're looking at Galatians. We're our second week on Galatians. Uh, we started two weeks ago when I was there, so that was a good week. And it'd be good to listen to that message again and, and allow the Word of God to flow through you. But this week we're looking at Galatians 1. We're going to read from verse 2 to 9. I believe you've already had that reading. I'm just going to read it again. We, we can't read God's Word too much. So here we go, Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. And I'm beginning halfway through the verse where it says, To the Ecclesia of Galatia, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us, to rescue us, I just added that, from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Amen. Powerful words. Sharp words. And words we need to listen to in our hearts. See, the title I could give this message, um, you, you can come up with a better title, it's not really relevant, but just to help us, what defines my Christianity. Write it down on a page, write it down, what defines my Christianity? What is that which makes me Christian? And uh, I'm going to begin just this idea of review. And he said he's come to rescue us from the present evil age. And we talked about that two weeks ago. And, and we talked about it, what's evil about this age? Because if we're going to be, Christ came to rescue us from it, we, we want to know what he's rescuing us from so we can be rescued and not keep slipping back into it. And we saw in some ways that we're rescued from this present evil age. And what's evil about this age is this idea of exchanging the worship of God for the worship of creation, the creator for the creation. And in that exchange of worship, there's an exchange of trust. So instead of looking to God and trusting him to be the source of truth to my life, I begin to look to creation and to myself as part of creation to be the source of truth for my life. And so when that which is 
evil about this age is the looking for calling the lie truth. It's the looking for truth inside of myself instead of in God, in creation instead of in the creator. And so I'll tell you a little story here. You might come to me and, and claim, say to me, I think I'm a fish. I feel like a fish. I really, I dream at night of being a fish. I have visions of myself as a fish. People say that I swim like a fish. And I think I'm a fish. I like the thought of being in the ocean and swimming like a fish. I just think that if I was in the ocean swimming like a fish, I would feel really good. I'd feel like me. I would be true to myself. So I'm going to go into the ocean and live like a fish. And I say to you, you're a fool. You're believing a lie, and the lie will kill you. Am I being kind or unkind? Am I being hateful or loving? See, what I could have said to you was this, you're cursed. You're cursed. Because when you believe a lie instead of the truth, you come under a curse. And so when Paul says here that, you, that you're accursed of God, he's simply saying, when you believe a lie in the place of truth, you're under a curse, and a curse is always bringing death. So what defines me as a Christian? I want to talk a little bit about my own story and what defines me as a Christian, because I think I, I see something in these verses that I've had to work through. So in 1975, my family went to Brisbane for a holiday. We lived in Auckland. We went to Brisbane. We went there because that's where my mum's family lived. My mother came from Brisbane. And we went there to be around her family. We were there for about five or six weeks. And while we were there, my dad, um, through some contacts in the church world over there that he knew, he arranged for my older brother and I to go to a youth camp at Coffs Harbour, uh, which is about 300 miles south of Brisbane. And yeah, so we went. So we knew one person who was going there. I didn't know him well. My brother knew him better. He was a little bit older. And uh, I was 16. My brother was 18. This other guy was maybe 19 or 20. And we travelled with him down from Brisbane to uh, this youth camp in the back of his little beat-up beetle, 300 miles. So it was a bit of a journey. We got to the youth camp, but it was in the youth camp. We did the beach, we did the meetings, we did the God stuff, we did the fun stuff, we did the games, we did the people stuff. I, I was well, you know, I knew what youth camps were. And, and I didn't go to any youth camp in those days with any spiritual expectation. I just went for the social. Towards the end of that camp, I'm not exactly sure how close I I was off, I managed to get myself off one night, just a little bit apart from the main crowd with a young lady who I was sort of interested in having a personal conversation with. Wasn't too sure what it was all about, but you know, that stuff. And she asked me a question which caught me out. She said, Paul, do you need to pray? It surprised me. It wasn't what I was thinking. And then my answer surprised me even more. And I said, yes. First time in my life I'd probably ever said yes to that question. And then I found myself in a couple of minutes, a moment or two later, with a few of the ministers there, and they were praying with me. And, and I was committing my life to Jesus for the first time in my life, and it was meaningful. And then one of them said something like, is there anything else you need to pray about or ask God about? And, and as we did, I had this thought that's changed my life ever since. And the thought was, I've called you to preach. That group of churches talked about the preacher. 
the minister of the church was the preacher. And so when I heard that, I thought, I'm meant to be a minister, a leader in a church. And until that point in my life, one, I'd never even thought about living my life in the future in the church. And I particularly had no interest, desire or thoughts about being a preacher. In fact, it was the opposite. So, so I prayed that prayer, said, okay, let's do it. And, and, uh, but then about two weeks later, maybe less than two weeks later, I remember clearly the time I was walking down the road from the place we were staying in Brisbane to the local shop where, you know, the dairy. And I was walking down the road and I was having a conversation with God that went something like this. God, this being a Christian is too hard for me. I can't do it. I'm going to give up. And I don't want to be a preacher. I'm going to give up. Maybe sometime in the future when I, you know, live the life that I think I should be living for my inside out world, I'll give you, you know, we, we can try this again, but for right now, we're done. And I meant it. I meant it. You know, I, I look back now and I see the Holy Spirit was in that moment because I wasn't giving up on the gospel. I was giving up on a distorted gospel. I was giving up of the picture that had got into my head of what a Christian was meant to do and be and look like. And I couldn't be it. And I was right. There's no way we can be a Christian. We can try to be a Christian. No. We all need to give up on that. The only thing is I wasn't ready for the next step then and hadn't seen the next step. Thank God, let me go. About three years later, I was at another youth camp. I hadn't gone back. I was still drifting further and further away from God, but I was still living at home, still going to church. I went to this youth camp. It was the group of people in Pihar in Auckland where I always went. And towards the end of this camp, there was a, one night after the meeting when you're having your cup of teas and coffees and Milo's and hanging out and doing all sorts of casual things before it's the lights out time at youth camp. And I'm 19 now. A girl is brought into this room in a manic state. I knew most of the people in this camp. I'm not a stranger. I'm on the inside. I might be going to these youth camps all my life. And uh, she's brought in in a manic state. She's, she needs to be constrained. And I see this and I thought, I'm out of here. And I start heading out of the room. And as I went out, I looked across at her and saw her eyes. And all I thought was this. I've seen the devil. It shook me. I got outside of the room. There was this disturbance. I didn't hang around it. And I went for a walk down to the beach. It's about a mile, uh, one and a half kilometres down from the camp to the beach, Pihar Beach, and all the way back up. And all the time this is going on, what was this? What's going on? Is that the devil? I, I, I felt like something had happened. I was stirred up. Got back to the camp. It's getting late. It must have been well into the evening. I went up and did my bunk, went to bed. The boys' dormitory was upstairs. The girls' dormitory was downstairs. And I'm lying in my bed and stuff was going on. There was a disruption going through the girls' dormitory. And I'm lying there listening to noises, weird noises, animal noises. And I'm lying there thinking, this is weird. This is real. This is the devil. And I want nothing to do with it. But I know that I have apart from God. I know I'm not on God's team. And I know there's only two teams. There's no in between. And I was bothered. 
And something in me just started crying out, I want to be back with God. I want to be rescued from this evil. I want nothing to do with this. So I got out of my bunk and I got dressed and I walked all the way around the camp. It's January, it's warm, it's late. And, and I'm struggling. What God, I want it, but I, I, I don't feel like I can. I don't feel like I know I can. I've been in many, many, many older calls. It wasn't that I didn't have a concept of what it was to pray and give your life to Jesus and all that stuff. I've heard much of that, all that all my life. But I'm stuck in a place and I can't. And a man could day says, Paulie, all right. And I said, I need to pray. And he led me over to a group of people kneeling on the ground. They were kneeling in a circle outside the door, which he prayed because this disturbance was going on. And, and so I got down and, and I began to pray. And essentially I prayed, Father, not my will, but your will be done for my life. No matter what it means. No matter what it means, God. I just want your will for my life. And I was saved. I was rescued. The Holy Spirit came into my life. He quickened new life within me. I got up. I had a sense of freedom, a sense of purity, a sense of joy, a sense of peace that I'd never known before. I became a new person in a moment. It was amazing. And then I began to walk that new person out. Things I thought of making different choices, different decisions. And one of them was, I'm going to go to Bible college. I've got a call to preach. I'm like, did I want to be a preacher? No. Did I think I could preach? No. Did I ever want to do what I'm doing now? No. But there was something in me saying, that this is what you do. So off I went to Bible college. And in a few months, I mean, you know, like six weeks later, or less, by February, I was in Bible college. And, and uh, it was about three months, two or three months into Bible college. I began to have this, this crazy experience. I began to feel like I was being sucked into a black hole. Just down, down, down. No bottom, no end. And, and what intrigued it was studying theology and philosophy, and, and uh, which, which I enjoyed uh, studying and learning. But these questions that I couldn't answer started going round and round and round and round. And I started to feel like I was being sucked into a black hole. And I remember thinking... I think I'm losing my faith. I don't think I'm going to make it. I'm not even going to, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to go lose it. And, and I was starting to feel despair again about my ability to be a Christian. And one morning I'm reading in 1 Timothy 1.19. In those days I read the Living Bible for my um, morning readings and, and, uh, I read these words, this verse, these words. Cling tightly to your faith in Christ and always keep your conscience clear, doing what you know is right. And as I read those words, I had a thought, this is what I need. I'm going to take this verse and I'm going to, I'm going to attach it to the side hole of this chasm of despair that I feel myself being drawn into and I'm going to cling to it. I'm going to cling to my faith in Christ. And that I'm going to do what I know is right. What's right? Cling to my faith in Christ and trust Him. And then I had a thought. It's amazing how, you know, you trust the Holy Spirit with the first step, because I believe now that was the Holy Spirit drawing my attention to that. Then it just did it. And, and then I had this thought. 
If I could answer all my questions about God, I would be equal with God. And I don't need a God I'm equal with. I need one who's bigger than me, greater than me, more than me. And therefore, there will always be questions about God I can't answer. And that's just how it goes. So I'll build a shelf in the back of my mind just to put the questions I have that I can't answer. So they're not swirling round and round and round and sucking the life out of my faith. And I did those things. And it was amazing how the difference it made. See, what was happening to me was what we read about in Galatians. My faith was being distorted from a simple faith in Jesus Christ to faith in my understanding things about Jesus. This is how the devil works to to corrupt and destroy our salvation. He doesn't mind leaving us with the form and the appearance but he works to steal the power, the life, the joy, the freedom, the relationship. I was not rescued that night at that youth camp by God because I knew the right stuff and did the right stuff. I did one thing. I believed in Jesus to rescue me. And when I began to lose that one thing, I began to lose my salvation. And the Holy Spirit simply reminded me, cling tightly to your faith in Christ. And now many years later, I'd say, he's reminding me again, Paul, cling tightly to your faith in Christ. Not your faith in your Christian education. Not your faith in your experiences. Not your faith in your performance. Not your faith in your journey. Just Jesus. One thing. Cling to your faith in Christ. Stop trying to be a Christian. Just cling to Jesus. Listen to me, somebody sitting in this room at Awaken right now. Stop trying to be a Christian. Stop it in Jesus' name. Set yourself free from trying to be a Christian and make the choice to cling to your faith in Christ. Just cling tightly to your faith in Christ. I mean, some of you are thinking it's not that simple. Surely there's other things we need to do and not do. And I declare to you, it is that simple. A Christian is a person who lives daily clinging tightly to their faith in Jesus Christ. It's one thing, but that one thing is like yeast that works its way through all our life, affecting everything, but we're still just doing one thing. And as I talk about this, I've got to mention the word sacrifice. Because some of us, and I've been one of them, and I've talked like this in the past, but I'm guarding myself now. I've talked like, oh, look what I've sacrificed for God. Look at the sacrifices I've made for Jesus Christ. Look at the sacrifices I've made in my Christian journey. And I want to tell you, don't say that. Don't talk like that. Because we don't make any sacrifice to be in a Christian, to be a Christian. We don't make any sacrifice to follow Jesus Christ. We don't make any sacrifice to, to be the Christian God is leading us to be. We cling to our faith in Jesus Christ. I, I want to just hit this a bit harder, this idea of sacrifice, because someone needs to be set free from something here. Because you, you think you've sacrificed something. Well, you haven't. All you've done is received from Jesus' sacrifice. The Bible gives us the picture of the tabernacle that became the temple 
to, to picture what it is to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says this picture, these buildings, were, were shadows of what was in heaven. They're not the real thing, but they're a shadow of the real thing. But what we see in it is, is we come from an altar outside the building where there's fire and, and where there's blood offerings given. And we know now, looking on it, that altar is the, it represents the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we come through this first room called the holy place and then into the second room called the most holy place or the holy of holies. And we're going to do it. And we find in this place, the second room, we find there a, a, an, um, an altar. It's not really an altar. It's more of a, a place where there's a seat. They call it the atonement seat, a mercy seat, with angels looking up. And, and on this was put the blood of the offering. And on this today for us is the blood of Jesus. And it sits over this Ark of Covenant, this, the Ark of Promises. And so we are invited, the moment we believe in Jesus now, the moment I stand on that day, Father, not my will, but your will. I came all the way from outside that tabernacle, all the way inside that to the most holy place, to this to sit with Jesus in his mercy, in the presence of God our Father, in the fullness of his glory. I can't get any more mercy. I can't get any more saved. I can't get any more close to God. I'm there. Now, I don't understand much about it, and I've got some growing up to do in it, but I've got it. I'm there. I'm sitting on all the promises, all the covenant relationship in Christ, in the fullness of what he did on the cross, in the presence of the Father. I'm sitting on the mercy seat. Then if I think I'm offering a sacrifice, I have to get up off that mercy seat. I have to leave the promises, leave the presence of the Father, leave the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, leave the grace of God, leave the goodness of God, leave the presence of God, leave the glory place and go back out through that tabernacle, all the way outside, out past the altar, take my little thing that's a sacrifice and put it on that fiery altar alongside Jesus and say, here's my little sacrifice as well, just to add something to my salvation. And I want to tell you right now, that's a distortion of the gospel. That's a corruption of the gospel. That's no gospel at all. And we, can, we don't offer any sacrifice at all. The devil will come and lie to you that you can, but you don't. We can't mix ourselves and Jesus in our salvation in this gospel. We can't do it. It will destroy us. It's a, it brings a curse on us. So what defines your Christianity today? How do you define yourself as a Christian? There's only one answer. Clinging to our faith in Christ. Let's revisit our six friends lost in the forest that we introduced two weeks ago. We left these six walking round and round in circles in the forest as each took their turn to lead according to what they believed was true. Can you imagine the frustration and anxiety growing within them? They've each had a turn leading and they know where, you know, they're still lost. And not only is this anxiety and, and frustration growing within them and uncertainty growing within them, but also what about the dissension and the tension growing between them? I mean, pretty soon they're going to start splitting into factions, breaking into smaller groups, having arguments. And this is a metaphor for our society. 
lost in our pursuit of happiness, following the dictates of our inner selves, losing ourselves while seeking to find ourselves and blaming everyone else for not agreeing with us. Therefore, this age is evil and it sows death while calling it life. But God in his great mercy sends help. He sends a rescue. He sends himself in the form of a man. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes into the forest and he finds these six lost travelers. And he invites them to follow him, saying that he will lead them out of their lostness. Now to follow him means not following their own beliefs and feelings. Just imagine for a moment. You've trained yourself all your life to follow what you think is true for you from your own beliefs and feelings within you. But now you're looking to follow Jesus. And he's coming along and going to the right. But everything in you is wanting to go left. And you have a choice. See, when we're following Jesus, we have the continual choice around the one thing of clinging tightly to Jesus Christ. There's not a whole lot of new things. It's the one thing over and over again. I want to go left, but Jesus is leading me like, what do I do? I cling to my faith in Jesus and go right. I deny myself and cling to my faith in Jesus and go right. That's what living the cross life means. We're clinging to Jesus. So here they are following Jesus as they do. They experience the freedom and joy of not having to know the right way. I mean, you know, we're trained in our society to pass the test by getting all the answers right. But in Christianity, we pass the test by trusting God is right when everything in us is uncertain and unsure. So they all agree following Jesus is good. It's better than trying to find their own way. And the bonus is they stop fighting amongst themselves. As they go on, they meet some others who claim to be followers of Jesus. And some of these offer them maps and instruction booklets on how to follow Jesus just right. And a couple in the group take these aids and begin to rely on them, not just on the person of Jesus with them. And as they do, they begin to lose sight of Jesus himself. They begin to be anxious about following Jesus the right way. And they go from doing one thing to having many things to get right. And they lose the simplicity, the freedom, and the joy of being rescued by Jesus Christ. And as they go on, they discover that the maps and instructions they were given have some differences. They all claim to be in the name of Jesus and to teach us the right way to follow him, but they don't agree with each other. And now friends are becoming enemies while seeking to follow Jesus. This is how the enemy distorts and confuses the gospel until it is not a gospel at all. And the Galatians were like those who, after beginning to follow the person Jesus, began to follow other people's maps and instructions on how to follow Jesus. And each of these maps and instructions are accursed because they lead to death, not life. They had one thing to do. These Galatians had one thing to do, 
but they replaced it with many things. And I'm saying to you today, Jesus is here and he's saying you've got one thing to do. Cling tightly to your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will be speaking to every person's heart who's listening to me speak. Cling tightly to your faith in Jesus Christ and do what you know is right. And what is right is to cling tightly to your faith in Jesus Christ. If you feel like going left and he goes right, you go right. You deny yourself and you follow Jesus. Luke 10, 38 to 42. Luke 10, 38 to 42. It talks about Jesus. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. One thing is necessary. When I started losing my faith in Bible college, it's because I was becoming anxious and troubled about many things, many thoughts, many ideas, many questions that I couldn't answer, but one thing was necessary. Paul Cling to your faith in Jesus Christ. When the Galatians were starting to lose their faith, they'd begun just with Jesus, but now they're becoming anxious and troubled about many things, many things they had to get right, many things they had to do, many things to be good Christians. No, to be a good Christian, there's one thing we do, cling to our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, that one thing affects everything as we walk with them. But it's still just one thing. And my, 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 my heart for each of you today who are hearing me speak is there'll be something in your heart saying, Father, I just want to cling to my faith in Jesus. I want to be like Mary and to be doing the one thing that is necessary, listening and following Jesus. I've got one more verse, a couple of um, passages of scripture to share. And I'd just like you to listen to it. It's Acts chapter 3, verse 17, I think to 19. I'm going to read it twice. And uh, then we're going to wrap up and pray. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Let me, let me read it again, to just a little bit of colour. Now, fellow believers, fellow Christians, I know that you've acted in ignorance as did your leaders thinking that there were many things you had to do to be a good Christian. But God has fulfilled the many things that he told through the prophets in his Messiah, in the suffering of Jesus Christ. Repent then from the many things. 
Repent then from thinking you have to be your own truth, that you have to find the right way, that you have to do what is right, that you have to know what is true for your life. Whether it's in the church or out of the church, repent then of the many things and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that the Holy Spirit would flow into your life. Even as I'm speaking now, you feel a flow of the Holy Spirit bringing refreshing into your heart, into your soul, refreshing your joy, refreshing your peace, refreshing your hope in Jesus Christ, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Repent of relying on guidebooks and maps. Repent of looking to special teachers, prophets and apostles. Repent of following people, not Christ. Repent of your doctrinal preferences. Get down off your high horse. Stop acting like a Pharisee who's convinced you are right and others are wrong. Repent of that now in Jesus' name. Repent of looking to your special visions and experiences. Repent of allowing yourself to become angry and hostile towards people using God and scripture as your excuse. It's the devil, not God. Repent of your allowing yourself to lead your life, even your Christian life, and humble yourself before God and decide right now that you're just going to cling to your faith in Jesus Christ and experience the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And Amen. You know, we're always all at risk of distorting the gospel. It's the ongoing temptation of Satan. And I'm speaking to give you a clear message. God is asking you for one thing. God rescues you as you do one thing. Cling to your faith in Christ. Amen. That's how I finish a message. Amen. Let it be so. Father God, I pray for every person listening to me. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would be working in their heart setting them free from everything but Jesus. Amen.